Welcome to Ag Future, presented by Alltech. Join us as we explore the challenges and opportunities facing the global food supply chain and speak with experts working to support a planet of plenty. Armed with a bachelor's degree in environmental studies and economics from the University of Colorado at Boulder and a master's in environmental management and sustainability from Harvard, Caitlin Dudas brings together pet industry leaders to strengthen their businesses while also shaping a future where pets, people, and the planet can prosper. Caitlin is executive director and co-founder of the Pet Sustainability Coalition, and she joins us from Boulder. Welcome, Caitlin. Well, thank you, Tom. Happy to be here. And you have an interesting background. I'd like to explore that for a moment just to give our listeners some context here. And I know that even as a young teen, you were traveling to struggling parts of the world. You were supporting humanitarian efforts, building schools, teaching sustainable farming methods, delivering hospital supplies, that kind of thing. What led you to that path so early in life? Well, Tom, I grew up um, in the in the Midwest in a small kind of hobby farm in Northwest Indiana, and both of my parents were very actively involved in progressive social movements. So I think I learned early um, to be an active participant. Um, but I also grew up on a farm, um, so I you know had a lot of opportunity to kind of explore the natural world um, and to lead from a place of curiosity as a child. Uh, and so I think the combination of those things, kind of a a very strong sense of curiosity and then active engagement and encouragement from both of my parents to participate in a future um, that's good for everybody. I think the two of those things came together um, and I had the support from um, my family to really explore uh, the world and the role that I wanted to play um, in being, uh, you know, a a great citizen um, and a participant uh, in whether that was you know, traveling, you mentioned some of the things that I got the amazing pleasure to work on um, in Central America um, or in my local community. Uh, I, I was very interested in, um, in just learning uh, and seeing what was out there. And I think when you're exposed and see different places around the world and you see a different place than uh, the privilege, I think, that we often have here um, in the United States, uh, it would any person would be hard-pressed not to want to be a part of the solution and to make people's lives better. I know it's difficult to reach back over a lifetime of experience like what you've just described and unpack it, but if you had to, what would you say you've learned from those experiences that informs what you do today? One of the things that I did, for example, is I, in college, um, I traveled to the Amazonian region of Brazil um, in the northern region uh, in a town named Belém, which is the mouth of the Amazon River. And I, I explored and spent time living in very remote villages um, with people who didn't have access to basic things like groceries um, or a store, and they really lived off of the land. And this is an example of an experience where um, I knew so there was a turtle species that lives in the Amazon region that ecological organizations had decided was a high value species. And so they wanted to protect it. And what they did is they basically decided they were going to assess fines on anyone who um, killed one of these uh, riverine turtles. And when I actually got the chance to go into Brazil and to live in these villages to understand that this same turtle was basically 
um, what many of the tribes used as an opportunity to um, trade in the marketplace. And so what they brought um, was this river turtle to market, um, and then they you know, traded it for other uh, goods and services. And so I started to understand a little bit about the differences between rules and regulations that we make and the impact that they have on real people in real environments. Um, and I started to understand that there are trade-offs um, in environmental policy and in sustainability, but there are very few silver bullets where there's a solution out there that doesn't have a ripple effect or other impacts on whether it's people or other environments. And so um, I think in that way, one of the pieces I took away from some of these environmental or adventurous uh, experiences when I was younger is the complexity of the world that we live in and what that means about developing uh, problems and how we go about solving problems in our natural world. Um, and to, to understand that the environment and humans are linked, you know, they do not exist outside of one another. And so, you know, while many people may think of environmental issues as separate from human or community issues, really, you know, we're all on the same planet and through marketplaces um, or through trading or through food um, or shelter, it is impossible to um, separate the two entirely. So through those experiences, understanding how, you know, how interwoven um, our communities are with the natural world and also, you know, how complex it can be um, to make systematic laws and regulations and changes um, that work for everybody involved. That human conceit has always interested me, how we somehow imagine that we're not part of the natural world. It's uh, interesting, isn't it? Yeah, you know, we are, the way that we live is very disconnected from our natural world. Um, we don't see where our food and water comes from. We don't see where it goes when it leaves our house. Um, and so I think we, over time, um, in the process of, you know, living in a, in a very privileged place, we lose our connection to those things. And there were times, you know, after college, for example, I spent several summers taking high school students um, into our backcountry of different natural uh, areas around the United States, all over the place, from Alaska to New Mexico to Texas, um, and really reconnecting them um, with the environment and remembering um, how closely connected we are. So, yes, I would agree. We are all very disconnected from the planet we live on, where our food comes from, and how much we really rely on the Earth um, for our well-being. Well, Caitlin, let's talk about the organization that you now lead. How did the Pet Sustainability Coalition come about? Sure. So um, I am a co-founder. So uh, Chris Bentley, uh, who is the co-founder or who was a co-founder of Aspen Pet Products, which was a large manufacturer of dog toys and crates um, and hard goods, was living here in Boulder. Um, and I had just moved here after I finished my degree um, from Harvard in environmental management and sustainability. And I had joined a small nonprofit consulting company um, just outside of Boulder. And Chris had spent some time looking for an organization to build him a suite of tools where businesses um, could really kind of get on their path for sustainability, start measuring their impact and building plans for improvement. Now, Chris Bentley, um, having, you know, kind of lived in Colorado for a long time, also has a very strong passion around sustainability and the environment. And he, you know, considered where did he as um, a person have the most leverage, right? So where were his biggest opportunities to really make an impact? And he recognized after spending 25 years in the pet industry that his biggest lever for change was really as um, a successful business person. And so 
with a, a very strong goal to use that position um, to really bring uh, sustainability to the pet industry, he recognized early on in our work together um, that I had the skill set to uh, be his implementation partner. So he really brought this vision, um, which we developed in partnership. You know, we looked at other industries like the apparel industry and the natural food sector to understand what they were doing around sustainability. And we used them as a model to understand how we could effectively work with businesses, which really um, can have a much wider impact across all their stakeholder groups than individuals working on their own. And so, you know, he and I together, we studied those separate industries, and then he really had been working for years um, before we met to really understand the need of the audience. So he would meet with CEOs and execs in the industry and say, hey, what are you doing around sustainability? And really cataloging over years of these meetings, what they were doing, what they expressed needing help with and support with, and then working with me to build a model um, around a nonprofit that could deliver on that need and start to work with his community of executives that were ready to take action. So together, he and I um, built the concept for the Pet Sustainability Coalition, and we pitched it to a group of about um, 10 to 15, I I should say 15 to 20 different companies at one of the industry's largest trade shows in 2013. And out of that meeting, eight companies wrote a check for $10,000. And that became the seed money from which we started um, developing the Pet Sustainability Coalition. And then I was hired as the executive director um, to implement on the vision that he and I continued to create. In addition, we expanded to adopt a formal board. Um, And so that board, along with Chris and myself, have really been the visionaries um, and the, you know, the people responsible for, um, at the end of the day, turning that vision into an action plan. Well, what would you say is the overarching mission of the coalition? So our mission here at PSC is to advance pet businesses through the integration of environmental and social practices. That mission um, is really toward a vision where the pet industry is not only doing less harm, but we're actually actively participating in building better communities and improving the environment in all the places around the world where we do business. How many companies belong to the the coalition? So today we're about 200 companies strong, um, and we have representation from the entire supply chain. So we have um, retail members, we have distributor members, we also work with manufacturers, brands, producers, and suppliers. So all the way through the supply chain, companies come and they work with us. Um, And really, you know, we have a basic three-step model. So they measure their impact. We are in alignment with the sustainable development goals developed in partnership with the UN Global Compact and the nonprofit B-Lab. We help companies measure and benchmark where they are today. And then we develop improvement plans. Um, So it's a very customized process to understand what objectives look like for every different business. For some companies, that might mean um, building um, or ultimately engaging and attracting and retaining top talent. Um, You know, uh, having a strong workforce is a real challenge for businesses today. And many people want to be participating with purpose-driven businesses that are more than profit. They're really thinking about, you know, what is our place in the world and how are we participating in a better future? And so, Um, Other companies may be looking at, you know, cost savings and efficiency improvements. So 
that might mean reviewing their warehouse, looking at things like alternative energy or where's their waste and their, um, their footprint. So we work on a variety. Sustainability can mean so many different things to so many different people that it's really a custom process for most of our member companies to really identify what their objectives are, what is their uh, priority for what uh, the return to their business will be from investing in the sustainability program. And then when they're measuring and improving, really working on celebrating those accomplishments. Sustainability is a commitment to continuous improvement. At, at the end of the day, you don't get to check a box that says, hey, I completed sustainability off my checklist today. And since we're you know, continually improving and every year there's new technology um, out in the marketplace, we really think it's important for companies to celebrate those accomplishments and those milestones that they're making as their improvement as their impact continues to improve. So our member companies are, are measuring, they're um, building that improvement plan and then celebrating their accomplishments all along the way. Uh, Caitlin, under the About tab on your website are some core values, and they include a couple that I would like to bring into focus here. First, authenticity. Tell us about that. Yeah, so sustainability is has become a, a buzzword um, for so many industries and companies. And really, you know, when you're in a in a place of shifting um, the market, right? So initially, businesses, their sole intention um, and purpose was to drive profitability to shareholders. And as that definition has expanded to today's uh, modern world, where businesses are really meant to drive value to stakeholders instead of shareholders, and really considering their impact on a much wider audience, not just to those shareholders. There has been um, a lot of different interpretations of what that might look like for different companies. And so authenticity and that core value is really at the end of the day as an organization, we measure whether or not we're successful as to what the actual science-based outcomes, right? So are environments actually being improved by the work that we're doing with our member companies? And at the same time, are communities actually being improved? So what we do is, you know, we really think about um, how do we measure that? So we are continually aggregating data from our member companies, and we're able to show a really interesting, authentic picture around different environmental and social metrics uh, that actually lead to a better world. So if we're an organization that says, hey, um, you know, our mission is to advance uh, the pet industry and to be a positive contributor to the environment and communities, how do we measure that? So, you know, just a, a few interesting pieces there. If you look, for example, um, at alternative energy use um, in our member companies between 2016, say, and 2019, we can see a sharp increase in the number of our, of our uh, members that are, are using alternative energy. And on the social side, let's say we look at um, gender diversity. So our member companies um, have a much higher percentage of gender diversity, women in leadership um, management and executive roles um, than the average business as well. So authenticity and transparency is another one of our core values, is really ensuring that every program that we invest our um, member dollars in is delivering a return to that core mission. Well, I see that another of your core values is about focusing on implementation. What does that mean? Yeah, absolutely. So for example, if I said that our, our member companies came to us and they uh, measured and then we developed improvements and that was the end of uh, the services and tools that we delivered to them, that would be the opposite um, of an implementation focus. So we are 
an action-oriented organization. An example of this is all of our memberships. Um, we take 20% of that membership fee and we hold it aside in what we call a project credit. Now that project credit can be used for a company to take action, to complete a project or take a step that shows a measurable improvement, again, uh, to kind of their, their baseline performance today on how they impact the environment and communities. So that's one example of how we integrate opportunities for companies to take real action through their membership. So that's that kind of um, action orientation. I think also, um, you know, we're in, the, in a, an environment, sustainability in general, isn't a place that has a lot of proof. Um, there's not you know, there's lots of case studies out there. And at this point, there are more than 500 peer-reviewed studies that show sustainability drives long-term profitability for a business. But a lot of what we do, you know, is there's no rule book. There's no guide to how to, to run a coalition or how to advance an industry in sustainability. And so when we talk about being implementation-focused, it means that oftentimes we're pioneers. We're out in the front of different issues that are coming to the industry um, and we're really helping to spearhead new initiatives that have never been done before, instead of waiting to allow other um, actions to take place before we may decide, hey, um, this has been proven, so now we're, we're going to go ahead and give it a try. I think an example of that might be some of our packaging work. So we piloted a, um, a take-back program for all types of flexible bags that are used for pet food and treats in about 120 different um, retail locations last year. Never before had the, had pet, the pet industry come together um, to collect this hard to recycle material. There had not been extensive testing done on this 300 million pound um, packaging footprint that we have today that's currently going to landfill. And that gives you an example of how our organization is really kind of pioneering through action, different solutions to some of the environmental problems that we face. What would you say are some leading issues that, in your view, Caitlin, must be addressed and overcome by the pet industry to achieve meaningful sustainability? Yeah, so um, as an organization in 2018, we had about 80 member companies at that time. And we had an interesting shift in kind of an expansion of our mission overall. So what you recognize is when we launched, you know, we had um, those 10 companies we started with, then we grew to 50, then we grew to 80. And what happened uniquely um, is that we suddenly had representation from the entire supply chain. I mentioned all of the different types of members that we have, and that put us in a new position. It put us in a position to understand and to start addressing areas of sustainability that are too big for a single company to solve on their own. And at that time, we really started to look at, um, you know, what are those areas of sustainability that really need leadership? They need thought leadership, they need experts, um, they need education, and then they need actionable ways for companies to come together as individuals, but in a way that aggregates their impact so that we can um, address these larger scale issues working together as an industry overall. So the three key topics of sustainability um, that we selected based on their ability to drive scalable impact um, the first one is sustainable packaging. Um, so thinking about this big movement that's happening across all industries and all sectors, um, it's really looking at the impact of plastics in our environment. You probably know that there's been estimated to be more plastic in the ocean than fish by 2050. 
um, and looking at um, what is what's the footprint of our industry um, and how do we start to advance solutions for the entire industry to participate in. So that's one piece. The second piece is around sustainable ingredient sourcing. So the pet industry, um, obviously, you know, two primary categories, looking at food and treats, and then on the other side, uh, textiles and hard goods. Um, but particularly in the consumables section of our industry, of that, that you know, the food and the treats um, that we're developing, you know, about 25% on the low end um, has been estimated from all of the proteins that are, are grown and raised in the United States, eventually go to pets. Um, and so we recognize this enormous opportunity to say, hey, if we're a 25% participant, we have um, a big opportunity to start to evaluate what is the sustainability and the transparency and traceability of the ingredients that we use in this industry. And how can that be an opportunity for us to drive further impact and to participate in a bigger movement that's happening in the agricultural sector overall toward more sustainable soil treatment and farming methodology and ingredient sourcing and formulation um, so that we can be an active participant in the change that needs to happen to protect our environmental resources. And then finally, in 2019, we also uh, took a look at um, social sustainability and the equity um, and equitable systems. And we added diversity, equity, and inclusion as a component um, or kind of one of those large keystone initiatives that we wanted to start leading the way um, as an organization. So looking at what's the overall status today around diversity in our industry? Is it equitable? So is it serving all communities? Um, and whether that's, you know, the equitability of our farming practices to um, the diversity of professionals in our industry to um, meeting the needs of pet owners um, and, you know, a diversity of different, uh, different backgrounds as well. And so those are the three key issues um, that we also help to address overall as an organization, um, kind of beyond helping every single member company improve but also taking a look at those larger issues, including sustainable sourcing, sustainable packaging, and diversity, equity, and inclusion. From your perspective, as somebody who's keeping close watch on the pet industry, how would you assess the industry's movement towards sustainability? Yeah, so there have been some key milestones that I think have served to uh, progress the industry more quickly at different times. So in 2016, millennials became the largest pet-owning generation, and it took a couple of years for, I think, the pet industry to really grapple with that um, intersection between millennials and sustainability. Um, and it turns out millennials um, care more deeply about the environment and communities than any other generation. But also importantly, they're the first generation that's willing to pay more for sustainable products. And so I saw, I, I saw a very large shift between 2016 and 2018 in terms of um, an understanding of the demand for sustainability from consumers and as a CPG industry, starting to really think about what is our responsibility um, and really our opportunity uh, to meet those customers in that more um, kind of values aligned way. Um, and so there was a big shift um, in 2018. So in, in 2018, as an organization, if we're a reflection of the demand and adoption for sustainability, we have seen as an organization, we've doubled in size um, every year since about 2018. And so that's really where we started to see that uptick as um, pet businesses started to recognize this demand um, and opportunity for sustainability. 
Then I would say um, in 2020, 2019, 2020, um, there was also a, another big shift that we saw, primarily around sustainable packaging um, and collaboration. So every year we um, do a, a survey of our members in the industry. And early on, we recognized that there was a lot of fear in the industry around collaboration or collaborative models around sharing information with other peers and competitors or brands of similar types and sizes. Um, and everyone wanted to kind of work on their sustainability um, internally. We have, you know, we still do, but um, had strict NDAs with many companies. They were not interested in developing case studies or sharing what they're working on. And there's been a big shift in, A, the desire to communicate externally around sustainability goals. So I think as we have seen expectations around accountability and reporting um, to uh, wider reporting groups, um, there has been an interest um, in companies to really be seen as leaders and to share more information on their successes and challenges and data-driven um, goals and reporting. So that's uh, a big shift that we've seen. And I think any time in an industry where peers start um, kind of openly reporting on their sustainability, um, we see an acceleration in adoption of sustainable practices um, because it starts to become a minimum expectation to do business in the pet industry. So I think there was a big shift there. And then, um, you know, that's had ramifications, I think, on, on the rate at which um, one of our big areas, the sustainable packaging, um, has been able to really push forward um, solutions. So we have seen, you know, I can recall in 2018, reaching out to a group of pet, uh, pet packaging suppliers and saying, hey, uh, you know, there's 25 different solutions that are being pushed in the market today around sustainable packaging. And we don't think that's healthy. And it's not, you know, creating a unified pathway uh, to arrive at solutions faster. So we were able to kind of move from 25 down to five. We're now getting down to about three. Um, and I, you know, we have seen an incredible um, acceleration of pace around um, sustainable packaging solutions just in the last two years as well. Well, for anybody listening who's considering career paths right now, what's your pitch to them for a life working to advance sustainability in the pet industry? Yeah, you know, I think sustainability is an incredible space to um, build a career in. It is creative um, because, like I was mentioning before, you know, there's not a roadmap already built. There's no uh, guidebook. And so for people who like developing something from nothing, it is a very creative space in which you get to iterate new ideas um, and test them and pilot them in different industries or different kind of smaller business sets. I think also um, businesses are, are an incredible engine for driving change, right? If you think about the scope from which a business works, whether it's you know, working with all of their employees, which could be, you know, hundreds of thousands of people or all of the natural resources they use, which could impact environments around the world or all of the markets um, that they play a role in. Um, again, you know, this industry is very strong here in the U.S., but it's also in Asia, in South America and in Europe. And so I find it to be um, a particularly impactful way to use my career um, in order to drive the world forward, um, to harness the power of business, um, to do good in the world, while at the same time um, working in a very creative space um, that's impact-driven, that's purpose-aligned, um, that attracts other purpose-driven individuals that are generally just a fun and vibrant and 
a very inspired group to work alongside who is, they're all so invested in each other's successes. And so it's a very uh, collaborative space to have a career in. And then thinking about the pet industry, you know, the, I had no uh, sense that I would have a career in the pet industry. I knew I wanted to do impactful work uh, that made the world a better place. And I can't say that I had, uh, before doing this, squarely said that I would be in the business sector. Um, and so, you know, the pet industry, the ripe industry for really bringing together multiple stakeholders because its core consumers, whether that's pets or pet parents, naturally have a strong, you know, caring bone in their body. They are, this is an industry that attracts very caring people and care, right? Care starts with care for yourself and then care for your family. And then your family includes pets. And then pretty sure, pretty soon, uh, you know, that starts its ripple effect as well. So then you start to care about your dog park and you care about the other people at your dog park and your community and then your town and your environment and then, you know, the U.S. and then the world and then animals that live other places. And so the pet industry is a unique, playful, caring industry from which to really grow this idea and this movement around sustainability. All right, that's Caitlin Dudas, Executive Director and Co-Founder of the Pet Sustainability Coalition with us from Boulder. Thank you so much, Caitlin. Thank you, Tom. You bet. And for Ag Future, I'm Tom Martin. Thanks for listening. This has been Ag Future, presented by Alltech. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to Ag Future wherever you listen to podcasts. <music>